Well, it is great to be in church this morning and uh, welcome everyone. Uh, fantastic. And as Naomi said, we planned this uh, 21 days of prayer and fasting last year. And I didn't realise how good the timing would be for us because it was always going to be the week after Easter. Let's begin. And um, so we're beginning today and I'm asking you, would you join us? It's going to be an incredible time. Hey, how good was Easter last week? I hope you enjoyed the, the Good Friday service with the, the different look at communion and also the Sunday morning service where we had a bit of apologetics, where we looked at uh, the risen Saviour and the, 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 the mountains of proof that Jesus Christ had to have raised from the dead. That's great. And can I just say one more thing before we get into the Word? Uh, this coming Saturday is Anzac Day. And uh, I just want to acknowledge all those who have served and those who are serving. And I just want to say thank you for your service. It's incredible. The men and women who have uh, said with their life, I'm going to serve my nation. I'm going to serve the world. And I'm going to stand up for what is right. And I want to say thank you to all you servicemen and women for doing what you've done. And all those who have passed, I honour them as well. And so that's next Saturday where we get to do the other Australia Day, which is Anzac Day, and we invite New Zealand in on it. <laughs> it's great. Anyway, last year I had no idea of uh, where we would be right now. And um, let's face it, uh, life has changed for all of us right around the world. And I remember standing up on Vision Sunday with a, a vision where we just present something which I feel is the word of the Lord to us. And I didn't have any idea that the world would be turned upside down right now. I didn't have any idea that uh, you know, life is probably not going to be the same. It's going to change forever. And um, me being a glass half full sort of guy, I'm actually excited about what's happening. I'm excited for the things that God may be doing behind the scenes and on the front stage as well, in people's lives. And uh, for the church worldwide, I think it's a great opportunity. And um, so I am partially excited, but I'm also empathetic for those who are struggling right now and uh, you, our prayers are with you. And we really want to comfort people. And so I want to encourage you, join into our huddles that we have running through the week. We have them running every night of the week. Jump in on that. Talk to one of your leaders. Get connected with them. And um, you know what? You might not feel as though you need support, but people in that huddle probably do. So 40-minute huddles every week. We jump online, get together, have a coffee. You can choose your coffee and get to chat with people. So let's do that in this time. But getting back to February, I remember launching the year with this verse and I didn't realise how pertinent it would be. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Not knowing what type of days we'd be in right now, uh, that, that scripture has a whole new meaning to it right now. Uh, especially verse 16 where it says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. What a moment we can redeem right now. What a time which we can look around and, and, and look for what God's doing and see what I could do in this time. Church, that's what we're called to do. What is God doing and what can we do with him in the, these times that we live? And uh, I, I believe the Lord said to me at the end of last year that 2020, he's going to call his church to go deep and to stretch wide. And I didn't really fully understand it. I just thought, yep, I'm obedient. And I thought I brought that word to the church in February. But right now, what a time to actually go deep. 
What a time for us to begin to see our Christianity more than just on the surface, but to begin to let it go deeper and deeper and deeper so that we can stretch wide. And I believe God wants to stretch wide in influence with his church, showing his love, his acceptance, his forgiveness around the world. And that's why I'm wondering what he's doing behind the scenes right now. But also, I believe the Lord wants to stretch wide with our generations. And um, I've got to tell you, I pray for your generations. And I see our generations. And I see the generations in the width-wise, but also see it in the depth of the years beyond the limits of our mortal time. Where I believe God wants to bless the generations. and He wants to bless those who are around us. He wants to bless the entire world around us because of what he's done in us. So to stretch wide is something that he's planned for his church to do. But before you can stretch wide, you must go deep. And I love the thought of you know, a Christian's life going much deeper. You know, um, I talked about the generations and uh, I've got to tell you, I actually believe, I, I grew up knowing that I'm favoured of God. Interesting thing for a pastor to say, I suppose. But I was reflecting on it this week that I grew up knowing that I was favoured of God. And I, and I look around now and I, I see my children and I, I start seeing favour on them. And I look around, I, I, I think about our life that as our young man and our young daughter have been raising up, I'm, I'm watching the favour on them. And I sit there and I'm, I'm amazed. And I'm 100% sure there's God's favour on their lives. And I'm beginning to watch my granddaughters now and two more coming this week, uh, this, this year. Um, I start to see the favour on them. There's incredible favour on them. One thing I know for sure though is this, none of us have deserved it. None of us have pressed the right button to get the favour. Someone somewhere in time decided to go deep. Was it my grandma? I don't know. Was it her father? He was an amazing man of God. Was it, I don't know. It could have been someone back in 600 AD sometime who decided to go deep because the blessings are for a thousand generations. And I'm just one of those generations and there's favour on it. And I say all that to say this church, I pray that favour over every family within our church. Every one of you, every individual, every marriage, every child, every grandchild. I pray and I prophesy over that. But I honestly believe the key to it is the going deep. And we're going to explain the going deep uh, over the next few weeks next few months because I think it's vital so this morning's message is beginning the theme going deep turn to Revelations chapter 3 verse 15 Jesus is talking to the church at Laodicea and he says this I know all that you do and I know that you are, are neither frozen in apathy nor fervent in passion how I wish you were either one or the other but because you are neither cold nor hot, but lukewarm, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Thank you, Jesus. For you claim I am rich and getting richer. I don't need a thing. Yet you are clueless that you're miserable, poor, blind, barren and naked. So I counsel you to purchase gold perfected by fire so that you can be truly rich. Purchase a white garment to cover and clothe your shameful Adam nakedness. Purchase eye ointment to be placed over your eyes so that you can truly see. All those I dearly love, I unmask and train. So repent and be eager to pursue what is right. Verse 20. Behold, I'm standing at the door knocking. 
If your heart is open to hear my voice and you open the door within, I will come in and you are with you to you and feast with you and you will feast with me. And to the one who conquers, I will give the privilege of sitting on with me on my throne, just as I conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. The one whose heart is open to let him listen carefully to what the Spirit is saying now to the churches. Familiar passage of scripture about the Laodicean church. You know what? They were very impressive. They, you know, they, they were rich. They were getting richer. They were in need of nothing. You know, what a church like that's opportunity to be a blessing, right? But they were neither, they weren't apathetic towards things, but they weren't passionate either. And Jesus calls them lukewarm vomit. How would you like to be that church? You know, well, they got the job done. They knew what they were doing. But Jesus saw them in a very different way. He called them, he said, you're clueless. Because you don't realise how miserable, poor, blind, barren and naked you are. Jesus wants to see his church a lot more than just that. Oh, we're blessed. We're blessed. We were in need of nothing. He wants to see his church much more than that. They look like they were a church that had it all together, professional and impressive, but they weren't. They falling short. In fact, they were shallow, very shallow. In fact, this is what I'd like to translate what Jesus, I think he was saying. Everything about you, Laodicean church, is shallow. I've purchased things to help you go deeper. Behold, I stand at the door knocking, ready to sell you these things if you let me in. I never realized that he wanted to sell things. Jesus is the ultimate door-to-door salesman. He's standing at the door knocking, but he wants you to purchase things off him. I'd never realized that about this passage of scripture before. The other day I was reading it, and as I read this, I felt the Lord say to me, Rick, this is so important to going deep. The Laodicean church was a shallow church. Yeah, they were not apathetic, but they weren't passionate. They were on the surface, you know. They didn't go deep either way. But God's calling his church to go deep. So I want to look at what God's plan is to get, or how did, how did he plan for his church to go deep? He's at the door knocking. What's he got in his hands for us to purchase so that we could go deep? Well, verse 18, it says this. So I counsel you to purchase gold perfected by fire so that you can be truly rich. Purchase a white garment to cover and clothe your shameful Adam nakedness. Purchase eye ointment to be placed over your eyes so that you can truly see. Those I dearly love, I unmask and train, so repent and be eager to pursue what is right. Be eager to go deep. Behold, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. That's what Jesus is saying. Well, the first thing, I want to move through these quickly. The first thing is this. He wants us to purchase gold perfected by fire so that we can be truly rich. Gold usually has impurities in it and it has a process of refining where it has to go through fire and be melted. Incredible temperatures. And before it cools, they, they wipe the dross and the impurities off it. Then it cools and then they heat it again. It's a process of refining it more and more to become more pure. I honestly believe trials in our life are really what the process God uses in order to refine us. 
And I believe what God is saying here, what Jesus is saying here, when you go through trials, I take out the rubbish. When you go through trials, um, you begin to develop good purity in your life. When you go through trials, there's treasures that come into your life, treasures like wisdom and knowledge and assurance and strength. That's where we find the gold, the gold that he wants us to have. That's where you become truly rich. James, the half-brother of Jesus, he wrote this in chapter one, two to four. My fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. Wow. The old version says, count it all joy when you face trials. Well, anyone facing a trial right now? I think we all are. Count it all joy because this is where he produces the gold in you. Paul had his own take on this in Romans chapter 5. But that's not all he says, verse 3. Even in times of trouble, we have a joyful confidence, knowing that our pressures will develop in us patience endurance. And patient endurance will refine our character. And proven character leads us back to hope. And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy because we can now experience the endless love of God. This is where you find it. The endless love of God cascading into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Paul understood it too. It's through the trials that the gold gets developed. Jesus is saying, purchase off me gold, refine gold. That's how you do it. I think the purchasing of the gold is not giving up. And when I say um, when trials come along, I don't say if trials come along because you're going to go through trials. Just don't give up. Trials come to an end. Make sure you don't. Be there stronger at the end, knowing that God has refined you. I actually think God will allow you to go through trials because there's a more pure version of you that he wants to use to help others. That's why he does what he does. Luke chapter 22. Um, I've used this passage a lot lately um, where he's, Jesus is talking to Peter at the Last Supper and he says, Peter, my dear friend, listen to what I'm about to tell you. Satan has demanded to come and sift you like wheat and test your faith. But I've prayed for you, Peter, that you would not stay, unf- uh, you would, sorry, that you would stay faithful to me no matter what comes. Remember this, after you have turned back to me, and have been restored, make it your life mission to strengthen the faith of your brothers. Peter, you're going to go through a really difficult time. When you come back, help your brothers because you're going to be stronger. Your faith is going to be stronger. Wow. Trials, we should actually thank God for them. There's a passage in Revelation, which many of us have read before, talking about those who are victorious at the end of time. When Jesus came back, those who withstood, those who were still standing. And it says this, And they overcame him, the devil, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. 
In other words, they withstood even though death was there. Even though it was difficult, they were willing to still stand. What a testament. I believe God wants us to purchase this beautiful gold through times of trials. Second thing is this. He wants us to purchase a white garment to cover and clothe our shameful Adam nakedness. In other words, the sin that Adam brought onto this world, the, 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 the part of us that falls short all the time. Those, you ever felt condemned? You ever felt like you're always falling short? You just can't make it? Well, I'm like that often. Yes, I feel the favour of God, but it doesn't mean I'm perfect. It doesn't mean I don't face trials and it doesn't mean I'm perfect either. But it does mean this. I have a cloak that the Lord has given me. He wants me to purchase it and it's white and I can put it on and it covers me. Isaiah 1 verse 18 actually says this, Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool, white wool. Later on, he actually says, your righteousness is like filthy rags, Isaiah. He says that to us, or the church. Your righteousness is like filthy rags. You know what is true? Mine is. I can't get it right. But Jesus, the door-to-door salesman, came knocking on the door and says, hey, I've got something for you to purchase. Look at it. It's a beautiful white gown. And you can wear it. You see, the gown is his righteousness. It's his forgiveness. It's his grace. It's his love and acceptance. That's what this gown is. And yet, you know what? It fits you. Every time you put it on, it fits golden. It's beautiful. But you know what? I've got all this muck on my filthy rags. Yes, but his covers it all. Church, if we could learn how to put on this white robe, we're purchasing it as we put it on. This beautiful thing that actually covers us all. Wow. From all sin, all falling short. I'm reminded of the story of the prodigal son. Young Jewish boy. Dad, give me my inheritance. I'm out of here. Dad gives him his inheritance. He leaves. Ends up you know, feeding pigs in a pig market. Not good for a Jewish boy to be in amongst the pig slop. And even the pig slop, he was so hungry because he had no money left. The pig slop looked hung, you know, inviting. He wanted to eat that. He realised his servants at home, they ate better than what he's eating now. So he decides to go home. He rehearses, you know, I'm going to ask my father for forgiveness. Father, forgive me, I've sinned against you, against heaven. His father sees him walking down the road and he runs to him. The son actually begins his spiel. Dad, I'm going to be one of your servants. Could I please be your servant? His father wouldn't have that. No. His father's response was this. Bring the best robe. Put it on my son. You see, the robe was his identity. You are not a servant of mine. You are my son. And it covers all that pig slop that we get over our lives because we try and live it our way and try and do it our way. But he covers it with his identity, his righteousness, not mine. And we, the church, we can learn how to wear his righteousness. It's not about doing good. It's about putting on his cloak and reflecting what he has done. 
It's about trying to apply what he's done into my lives, into our lives. You know, if, if I'm feeling condemned, it's because I haven't got the coat on. If I'm condemning others or judging others, I haven't got the coat on. Because it's how would Jesus respond to this? The old WWJD. What would Jesus do? How would he respond to this? Wow. I want to be the guy who wears that coat all the time. And here's the thing, that coat never wears out. You can wear it all the time without a problem. Galatians 4.19, Paul writes this, My little children, for whom I labour in birth again until Christ is formed in you. To me, that's an imagery of what it means to be putting on that cloak, to, to seeing Christ's responses be formed in me, Christ's ways, Christ's initiatives. That is putting on the white garment. How do I do that? Well, I just go to the closet and say, Father, will you help me put this on? Because I realised in my own nature, I'm never going to be good enough. But when I put on his robe, oh, I, I'm his son. And it's amazing. The fruits of the Spirit pour out of my life much more when I put that jacket on. Love, patience, kindness, peace, gratefulness, gentleness. All these things flow out of my life when I've got that jacket on. He wants us to purchase refined gold, a pure white garment. But the third thing is this. He wants us to purchase eye ointment to be placed over our eyes so that we can truly see. I believe this ointment represents the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who is available to us right now. He's with us right now. Jesus, when he was on planet Earth, met with a, a, a religious scholar. His name was Nicodemus. If you've watched The Chosen, it's a great adaptation of Nicodemus. And in John chapter 3, he says this, verse 3, Nicodemus, listen to this eternal truth. Before a person can perceive God's kingdom realm, they must first experience a rebirth. <coughs> or they need to be born again. Or the real Greek actually says they need to be born from above. It won't make sense to you until you're born again. It won't make sense. And just a couple of verses later, he explains what born again is. He says, unless you're born of water and the Spirit, your Spirit gets alive, your Spirit comes alive and the Holy Spirit begins to show you things. You won't understand the kingdom of God. It won't make sense to you. You won't see it until the Holy Spirit comes. And the Holy Spirit awakens your spirit, being born of the Spirit. And all of a sudden, you've got ointment on your eyes. And you can see differently. When you read the Bible, it's not just history anymore. When you read the Bible, it's an amazing love story that He's written to you. And it's a guidance instruction book for you to live out this life victorious. I find when I'm reading the Word often, He'll share things with me in my spirit. It's like He's watching over my shoulder, whispering in my ear. And I begin to see things the way that He sees them. Oh, I want to be that. I want to be close to Him. Allow Him to guide me. Jesus was about to finish up His time here on earth and He said this in John 14, 26. But when the Father sends the Spirit of holiness, the one like me who sets you free, 
He will teach you all things in my name. And he will inspire you to remember every word that I've told you. The Greek word there is parakletos, the spirit. Parakletos, the one who walks beside you. Wow. I think that's what the oil is, the anointing oil to wipe over our eyes so that we can see what he's up to. God, what are you doing in this time when the whole world's upside down? God, what are you doing with this person right now who just doesn't seem to be coping at all? What are you doing with them? Lord, you've given me a way to help them. I can help them. You see, it's having an anointing over our eyes to, be, to see beyond the natural into the supernatural. I believe it's a big key for a church or a Christian to go deeper. I've had many a times where the Holy Spirit has spoken to me and shared with me, confronted me. I've got to tell you, I'm a much wiser man because of it. I'm a much more spiritual man because of it. My desire is it for, to be more. I want to walk with Him knowing that I can hear His voice at any moment. I can feel His unctions. That's having the ointment on my eyes. Wow. The Laodicean church, it's very interesting. The word Laodicean means people's rights. <laughs> That's interesting, isn't it? People's rights. I'm wondering whether just at this moment, we could actually look at our own Christian life. The problem with the Laodicean church is they were doing Christianity without a Christ. He was on the outside of the church. He wasn't in there. I'm at the door knocking. They had their rights. But I'm wondering whether we could lay down our rights, church. And just say, Jesus, refine me. Allow this fire that I have to go through. I know I'm going to walk through the fire and you'll be with me still. I'm going to be refined. This trial that's before me, I'm not going to get overwhelmed by it because I know you're there in the end and you're there in the middle and you're there at the beginning. I know you're with me. But Lord, also Lord, I want that white garment. Would you bring that white garment so I can put it on? Your righteousness. And I think meditating on Him helps you understand what that means and how to put it on. I think taking time just to read His Word and to, and to meditate on, 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 on Christ Himself, I think that enables us to know how to put it on. The more I meditate on Jesus, the more I become like Him. And that's what I want. And then the Holy Spirit, Lord, anoint my eyes with that oil that I can see beyond the natural, that I can see into the supernatural. I realized something when I was preparing that, this. That's what the fast is all about. 21 days of fasting. You choose how you want to do it. Maybe it's giving up coffee. Good luck. <laughs> for me, I'm just going to go to one meal a day for a week and I'm going to evaluate it every week and see how deep God wants me to go. Because I want to go as deep as He wants me to. And I think it's when you're fasting, you're actually putting yourself in a, a self-inflicted trial, really. <laughs> but when you come through it, you're actually stronger. It makes you strong. 
It's in those times when you do meditate on Jesus and the white robe, it's easier to put it on. And not only that, it's so much easier when you're fasting to be led by the Spirit. Because my soul is going, ah, oh, I'm starving, I'm starving, ah. Oh. And my spirit's saying, I'm starving too, could you feed me? And you begin to feed your spirit through worship. You begin to feed your spirit through the Word. You feed your spirit through contemplation, fellowship with other Christians over the internet, of course. Going deeper, that's what this fast is about. You know, um, Jesus was with James, John and Peter up on the mountain. They came back down from the mountain. and The other disciples have been trying to cast a demon out of a poor young boy. And uh, they couldn't do it. Jesus actually cast the demon out. And afterwards they said, Jesus, how come we couldn't do that? He actually said this. This kind comes out through prayer and fasting. It took me a while to understand what that meant. And this is my take on it. I don't think it's the prayer and fasting that actually got rid of the demon. I don't think it's like holding a gun to someone's head. It's not a bribery situation. It's not even a reward situation. What my take on it is this, those who pray and fast on a regular basis have a spiritual awareness. They understand it and they step into the spiritual realm much more. And things like demons in the spiritual realm understand that too. <coughs> Excuse me. And when we actually begin to pray and fast, and it actually does something to us in that spiritual realm, and the demons get that. That's my take on it. Helps you to become more spiritual. So, church, would you join us? Would you be part of it? Would you go deep with us? You know, right now, I would rather than have a thousand people say they want to be part of our church, I would much rather have the ones who are with us go deep. Because I'm thinking about the generations. I'm thinking about those who are coming after us. Could we be the ones in our line who said, I'll go deep. Someone in my line did. Someone in my generations went deep. I know it. I know that someone said, hey, it's not enough just to live a Christian Sunday church life. I want to live this spiritual life. I want to live this Christian life. Someone put their hand up and said, I'll go deep. Church, would you come deep with us? Would you go deep for the sake of the generations? Because I pray blessing over every one of your generations. I pray favour. Oh, the favour that I know is on my life, which I don't deserve at all, but I know it's on there. I pray it onto your life as well. And over my family, I pray it regularly and I pray it over your families too. But don't just be thinking about the ones you know now. What about the generations who are yet to be born? If the Lord tarries, if the Lord takes His time coming back, there are many generations to come. And church, we could set up something deep in our generations. I love that song about the thousand generations. In fact, I've, got, I've asked the team whether we'd come back and finish off the service by singing it. So we're going to sing this song and then we'll finish the service with praying. But church, let's sing this more like a prayer. And I know it might be a bit awkward sitting in your living room, but I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes if you don't need to read the words. And I'm going to pray the Holy Spirit would come and minister to you at this time. Oh, this is real. This is what God wants. I know over our church, going deep. Yeah, we'll stretch wide, but not yet. We'll go deep.
It's what the fasting's about. Come on, let's sing this song.